Welcome to The Wisdom Journey with Stephen Davey. Today, we come to the Old Testament book of Micah. There's an important lesson that every person needs to know. When there's no confession or repentance of sin, divine judgment is the inevitable outcome. It may not happen right away, but God deals with all unresolved sin. We must never take for granted God's merciful delays. Every delay in judgment is an opportunity to turn to the Lord. I've heard it said before that there are a lot of people who want to change the world, but there aren't as many people who want to change themselves. In fact, I heard the humorous statement that the only person who wants to be changed is a baby with a wet diaper. That may be true. Well, there are going to be a lot of changes taking place during the ministry of a prophet named Micah. And today we arrive at this little book of prophecy named after him. In fact, one author had this to say about the prophet Micah. God had given him insight into all the changes taking place on the national and international scene. Well, God is going to use the prophet Micah to call all of the people to follow the Lord. Now, verse 1 introduces us to this prophet and To his prophecy, the word of the Lord that came to Micah of Moresheth in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Now, Samaria is the capital city of the northern kingdom representing Israel. Jerusalem is the capital city of the southern kingdom representing Judah. Now, verse 1 tells us here that Micah came from Moresheth, and that was a little village located southwest of Jerusalem. It also told us that he served during the reigns of three kings of Judah. Jotham, that was a godly king, Ahaz, a wicked king, and Hezekiah, another godly king. So the people, well, they're on this merry-go-round of constant changes, power struggles, politically, religiously. But let me tell you, the worst part of it all was that the hearts of the people didn't change. And quite frankly, they didn't want to be changed. So Micah's mission is to call them to change, which is repentance. Repentance literally means a change of direction. Now, Micah's prophetic ministry, which covered nearly 35 years, It was about the same time that Isaiah was prophesying over in Jerusalem. Micah's uh, book can be divided fairly easily into three sections, and, and that's dividing it according to three sermons that he preaches. And each sermon begins with the same words, hear you. In other words, he's saying, listen up. Don't fall asleep while Micah's preaching. You need to hear what he has to say. Now, the first sermon is covered here in chapters 1 and 2, and like most of the prophets, Micah's preaching a message of coming judgment for sin, and he refers to the sins of the house of Israel. That's verse 5. He warns them that the Lord is going to make Samaria a heap in the open country. That's verse 6. He points to the fall, the coming fall of Samaria and the nation of Israel to the Assyrians. That's going to take place in 722 B.C., about 13 years after Micah's ministry 
begins. So Micah is grieving over the coming destruction of Samaria. He also says that Jerusalem is going to suffer the same judgment. Here in verse 9, he says, It has come to Judah. It has reached to the gate of my people, to Jerusalem. Don't miss the implication. It's easy to it's easy to look on others who are suffering the consequences of their sin, you know, be rather smug about it, be rather, you know, self-assured and self-confident. I can remember growing up, I had three brothers, and if one of them got into trouble and was taken upstairs, uh, you know, for spanking, well, I, I felt pretty good about myself. I, I, I felt sorry for my brother, but that was his fault, not mine. Now, no doubt, that's the attitude of the people in Judah when Israel fell. Trouble is, Judah's about to be taken upstairs as well because they're committing the same sins. We know from biblical history that the Assyrians did not stop with their conquest of Israel. They did push into Judah, their conquering city after city. And now here in verses 10 through 15, Micah lists a number of those cities and it must have brought tears to his eyes to mention in particular the destruction of of Morisheth. That's that's Micah's own hometown. Eventually, the Assyrians reach Jerusalem. They surround it in 701 BC. You might notice Micah never mentions Jerusalem's fall, and that's because the city is going to be miraculously delivered when that godly king Hezekiah prays to the Lord. Following his great prayer of confession and humility, God moves in. He destroys the entire Assyrian army in one night. That's given to us over in 2 Kings chapter 19. That miraculous moment of mercy. Now, it doesn't mean Judah can go back to, you know, ignoring God. They should have recommitted themselves to following the Lord, but they didn't do that. And that's why at a later date now, Micah's prophesying, Jerusalem will fall. The nation of Judah will indeed be conquered, and we know that's going to take place by the Babylonian army. Now, with that, we come to chapter 2, where Micah lays out the reasons for Judah's coming judgment from God. Listen to this indictment here in verse 1. Woe to those who devise wickedness and work evil on their beds. When the morning dawns, they perform it, because it is in the power of their hand. They covet fields and seize them and houses and take them away. They oppress a man and his house, a man and his inheritance. So Micah is describing people in power, lying in their beds at night, dreaming up you know, new schemes to victimize the people under their control, the innocent. They devise strategies to take advantage of poor people and seize their houses and their, their lands. We would call them today robber barons. These are people who control the courts, the councils, the judges, and they essentially rob their own kinsmen of their land. Well, Micah steps up here and tells them the Lord hasn't missed any of their treachery. He's seen it all. God speaks through Micah here in verse 3. I am devising disaster from which you cannot remove your necks, and you shall not walk haughtily, for it will be a time of disaster. See, the Lord is saying here, you know, you might be planning your evil schemes, but I'm planning your eternal judgment, and there's no escape from that apart from repentance. 
Now God warns them here in verse 6 not to listen to those false prophets who are preaching disgrace will not overtake us. Well, those those prophets are promising the people that they have nothing to fear. You know, I'm sure they got they got bigger crowds than than Micah does. That hadn't changed to this day. Listen, anybody who dismisses God's warnings and allows people to justify their selfishness and their sinful lifestyles, they're always going to have a bigger audience. In fact, Micah asks rather sarcastically here in verse 11 that this kind of preacher is indeed the preacher for this people. Oh, in other words, you guys are perfect for each other. Now, following this verse, we come to something we see often uh, in biblical prophecy. That's a sudden shift from judgment to hope. Now, th- this hope isn't for those listening to the false preachers who avoid calling anything sinful. This hope is for people who come to repentance and faith. And the Lord delivers this invitation of hope now here in verse 12. I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will gather the remnant of Israel. I will set them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture, a noisy multitude of men. Did you notice the promise here that the nation will once again be united as one flock under one shepherd? Now, this regathering, this restoration of a repentant people following their Messiah, the Good Shepherd, well, that's still going to take place in a future day. When Jesus the Messiah returns to earth to establish his thousand-year kingdom, all Israel, we're told, will turn to him in faith. They're going to be regathered to their ancient homeland. They're going to experience the promised blessings of the covenant of the Lord whom the Lord made with Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. Now, that's still out there in the future, beloved. That's in the coming kingdom. And Micah promises that to give the nation hope over the coming centuries. Verse 13 tells them what's going to happen then. Their king passes on before them, the Lord at their head. Well, this Lord is their Messiah, He's going to lead them. He's going to go before them. He was crucified. Well, he's coming back, and he will be crowned as king. So don't lose sight of that hope. We have that hope today for Jew and Gentile. No matter how, how bad things get, no matter how bad you might, you might feel today, no matter how bad things might get for the nation Israel, there's always the hope of forgiveness through Jesus Christ but you have to turn to him as your Messiah. And while we live in the hope we have, let's keep offering to our world, by the way, our world that is hopeless, the same forgiveness, the same hope we have found today in Christ. Well, until our next study together, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. This has been an important reminder from God's Word today. Stephen called this lesson, Getting Ready for Change. On our next lesson, Stephen will conclude the book of Micah, And then, of course, he'll continue this journey through all 66 books of the Bible. 
The Wisdom Journey is produced by Wisdom International. Learn more about us at wisdomonline.org and then join us next time on this Wisdom Journey.